Today being uh, New Year's Day and uh, falling on the Lord's Day, I've decided to just take a bit of a break from First John and uh, focus us on the words of Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. A message I hope will be our motto for this year and years to come. So let's turn to Hebrews. I'll read from verse 1 to 8, but my focus will be verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 1 to 8. And I read. Let, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Let's pray and ask the Lord for help this morning. Oh Lord, we thank you for you have made time to be with us. We thank you that it has pleased you to gather us together this day as your people in your presence. Lord, we do not take this great privilege for granted. We are thankful for this privilege of coming to you as your people. Thank you that this is possible because of Christ who died for our sins and has now reconciled us with you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who is the seal of our salvation. And we pray, O oh Lord, again, please hear us as we are about to hear your word. Please open up our eyes and our hearts to your word. We need you, O oh Heavenly Father. We need to see and know Christ. We need your spirit to open our hearts to your word so that we may indeed learn to be like Christ, so that our minds may be renewed, so that our wills may be conformed to you as, as is revealed in the scriptures. Oh Lord, help us to hear your word to grasp it. Please save the lost as your word is proclaimed as Christ is revealed to be the only savior of lost men. 
please strengthen the weak as we see Christ who sympathizes with our weak frames. And please, O oh Lord, may the careless be warned this morning as we see the judgment that is upon those who do not flee to this great Savior. Please bless our time together, O oh Lord, for we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I, as I was preparing this sermon, I decided to do a research on uh, something that happens constantly in the world. That, as you all know, everything around us needs repairs and maintenance. If you look at the money that you have spent this year in repairs and maintaining what you have, whether it's your house, I'm sure it would run into the thousands of shillings. If you look at the money you have spent to maybe fix uh, the clothes that you have, uh, take it to the tailor, um, adjust it here and there. If you look at the money you've spent in, on uh, repairing your vehicle this year, fixing your laptop or your computer or your television, it runs into a combined millions of shillings. Millions of shillings are spent every year, year in, year out, on maintenance and repairs. If even you look at the government budget, if you go to the budget of the Republic of Kenya, you will find that repairs and maintenance take up a big chunk of our tax money. Because things break down, isn't it? Buildings are... Uh, not as they were when they were constructed. Roads are not as they are when they were constructed. And we constantly need to do that. And the truth is, we will do that. We will always have that budget until the end, until when Christ comes. Humanity will always be fighting and struggling with change because the reality is, everything breaks down. Everything is changing. Everything is changing, whether we like it or not. We are in a new year. A new year has changed. We are getting older. We are getting weaker for some of us. For some of us, our Hairs are getting more and more gray. Uh, we're adding a little bit more silver on, on our heads, which is good. Shows we are getting wiser. It's inevitable, isn't it? No matter how much dye we may buy to uh, cover that silver hair, it's getting uh, more and more with time. But then I want us to focus this morning on one beautiful reality. I want us to see that although every other thing is changing, the one thing in this life we can hold on to, the one thing that I want you to pursue, to value, is the one thing that cannot change. 
because every other thing changes. That new uh, thing you want to buy this year, it will break down. That new house you want to buy, it will break down. And you'll have to repair it and repair it and repair it until you die. And then someone else will come and they'll have to do that maintenance. Whether it's a new car that you want to buy, you will keep on spending money to repair and fix it. Whether it's that new shirt, new shoe, it will break down. But oh, here is one thing. Here is one thing that does not change. And because it does not change, because it remains true, because it remains the same season after season, it is the most valuable thing. It is the greatest thing that you can pursue this year. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the unchanging Christ. That is the value of pursuing Jesus Christ. And as we look at this statement that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, I want us to see three things that are a lesson for us as a church, as focus on the new year. The first thing I want us to see that is an implication of this statement, of this wonderful reality that Christ does not change and therefore he is the one that ought to be at the priority list of our pursuits. I'm sure some of us have New Year's goals, New Year's resolutions, New Year's desires. This is the reason why Christ should be at the very top, should be the highest of the pursuits in life. Why? We must realize that everything around us is changing. Everything, not something, not some things, not those things that are made by man. Everything around us is changing. That's one of the greatest implications of this statement. The fact that Jesus Christ alone remains unchanged yesterday, today, and forever. Every other thing is changing changing, is subject to change. We might fight off change, but it's coming. And guess what? It's winning. There is a, a poem told of, um, written about dust and how we spend our lives fighting dust. Then um, there's this picture of a lady who works in her home and every morning she wakes up to clean the house, to fight off the dust in the house. And she has to clean the dust from the children. And she has to clean the dust from the plates. And she has to clean the dust from the curtain. And this repeats itself every day, every day, every day. And then in that poem, the last line of that poem, it says, and ultimately, the dust wins. Because... Although she has been fighting dust, she will be buried in six feet of dust at the end of the day. Everything is changing. Time is moving on. It's grinding, whether we like it or not. And as it grinds, I like that word, grinds, it's crushing everything in its path. 
we might do anything, science, people are, are, are actually investing. I think the, is it the two men who founded Google, they have invested, I think, almost like 200 million US dollars to fight, guess what, aging. Millions of dollars to fight aging. Do you think they'll win? No. The machine of time wins. The grinding machine of time crushes all that is on its way. And sometimes we can live life in denial of this statement. We can think that because of te the technology around us, because of the, the way that uh, medicine has improved, because of how science has improved uh, that we can fight off the changes of time. We can keep it off for a little while, but we can't stop it. Everything is changing. Nothing is constant in this world. Look at, for example, Ecclesiastes chapter 31, verse 1 to um, verse uh, verse 1 all the way to 8, it tells us what's happening. For everything there is a season and a time for, and a time for every matter under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. That is life. All that's around us is changing. Seasons are coming. What used to be new, after some time, fades away. Fades. It's no longer as new, as shiny as it used to be. And the writer of Hebrews, in writing this statement, he was telling this church that same truth. Because this church, that received this letter, the letter of Hebrews, had seen so much change in their lives. They had seen this church being planted. They were there when they had the gospel. They were there as their numbers were increasing. They saw the gospel work going and increasing and the name of Christ being exalted. But then a time changed. And now, this church was under persecution. Historians say that the context of the letter of Hebrews is that there had been a change in the emperor. The one who used to be the emperor then had died and a new emperor had come in who hated Christians. There was a change. And they couldn't stop it. This change was forced upon them. They couldn't say, no, no, we don't want this new emperor. He came and he came with his policies and it changed the church. And we, like them, are also facing not maybe the same kind of changes, 
but we, all that is around us is changing. We walk in a life where if you hold on to something, it changes, it's, it's breaking, it's, it can't last. And the only thing to hold on to is Christ. And a new year comes, and a new year goes. New relationships come and go. A new job comes. A new home. A new school. A new status in life. This is life. But it all changes. All of it. That new job that you get after some time is not the exciting job that you wanted, isn't it? For those who've gotten, who got a new job in 2022, after some time you realize this is not really what I wanted. And then you go for another job and then you stay there and after a year you realize, ah, this is not what I wanted. And that's life. Things change. They can't hold up your expectations. They can't hold up uh, your joys, your desires. Why? Because they are broken. All these changes are part of God's design. It is part of God's design to show us as man that God is God. And we are creatures. That's one of the reasons why life is the way it is. Because you might ask me, then why has God created things the way that he has created them? It is to show the distinction that you and I are creatures. And God is God. God is different. God does not change. He remains the same. But we as creatures, we are like other creatures. We have bodies that are breaking down. Our mental energies are not as strong. They are diminishing. Our priorities change. Our tastes change. Our likes and our dislikes are not constant. What I liked this year may not be what I like in the coming year. That's us because we are creatures. That's why things are prone to change. But also that change, that, let me use the word decay is there also to show us the consequence of our sin. Everything is subject to decay because of man's sin. And all creation is subjected to a downward trend of degeneration because of sin. Look at what Paul says in Romans 8. We've been going through the book of Romans 8 with Pastor Murungi in the morning, and this is one of those passages that Paul shows us the reality of our sin. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage of corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pain of childbirth 
until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, or who have the first fruit of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we eagerly, as we wait eagerly for adoption as son, the redemption of our bodies. Everything is spiraling down. Everything is spiraling down and is spiraling down fast. Everything around us is breaking down. Please don't put your hope in anything in this life. Yes, we do use the things of this life. Yes, we do enjoy the blessings of this life. But they cannot hold us up. Why? Because they are prone to change. And we are prone to change. That's why a new job will not satisfy you. It's okay if you get a new job, wonderful. But it's not the thing that will give you the joy that you want. Oh, if I only now get into this relationship. And amen, may the Lord open doors for you who are singles to get married and to settle down. But that will not give you the full and true satisfaction that is only found in God. Why? The person you marry will change. Those who are married know this to be true, isn't it? And you are changing. And that's why the only thing we can hold on to life strongly and firmly is Christ. God alone, Christ alone, is the firm and solid and changing hope of man. He is so solid that he is referred to, God is referred to in the Bible as the rock. If you read your Bible, you will notice many times over and over again, God is referred to as the rock. Why that picture? Why that name? It shows, it's, it's an illustration, uh, a language used to communicate. Doesn't mean God is like a rock, but it shows to us who cannot fully understand God, that God is unchangeable. He is not affected by seasons. He remains firm and true. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 3 says this about God, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. Verse 4, The rock, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of faithfulness without iniquity. Look at that. God is so faithful that he alone is called our rock. God is the only one who is so just that we can say he is the rock. God is the only one who is perfect. He is the only one who doesn't change in his perfections. Every other thing changes in perfection. God's perfections remain unchanged. In Psalm 118 and verse 31, again, look at this. There are many other passages, but I just chose these two to show us this reality. For who is 
For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? He is firm. He is strong. Every other thing is changing. Every other thing, time is grinding it. And guess what? The Bible actually tells us that there will come a time when God will roll the universe as a what? As a garment. The universe, the sun, the stars, the billions of tr planets, the trillions of suns that are in the universe, they will be rolled up like a garment. In other words, even the universe, the very universe, changes and will change. But all the God of heaven, he remains the same. And that's why, again, he is the only one we can hold on to. To the unbeliever who is listening to this, you have put your hope in this life. You probably put your hope in your money, in your career, in your skills, in your ability. You've even put hope in your bank account that has lots of money maybe to hold you up. Or you've put your hope in a relationship. They will change. They will be broken down with time. Sin, your sin is actually being proved by that reality that everything around you is breaking down. Creation itself is showing you that there is sin. That's why nothing can satisfy you. That's why you, you move from one relationship to another thinking it will satisfy you. You move from one drink to another, one uh, group of friends to another group of friends thinking that it will help you. It won't. It will actually bring you more judgment. But oh, if you run to this Jesus, if you run to Jesus Christ, if you repent of your sins and believe in him and hope in him, even though everything else is being changed and is changing, this Christ doesn't change. You can hold on to him and he will hold on to you. And he will bring you into his eternal kingdom. Don't miss out on that. But having seen that, that we need to realize that everything is changing. The implication is if everything is changing, we must realize that as everything else is changing, these changes affect us. When we were studying science, and uh, I'm sure this is still there in science, uh, in biology, one of the things that we learn about um, creatures is that creatures adapt, isn't it? Creatures adapt. All creatures adapt. If you take a creature, let's say, that has a green color, a butterfly with or a moth that is green because it's in a jungle and you take it to a woodland where it's all brown, after some time it will change because it's adapting. It can't help it. It has to adapt. 
And in the same way, even we as human beings, we adapt, don't we? We adapt to situations around us. We adapt, we, whether we like it or not, those changes around us are forcing us to change. We can all agree that things around us are changing, but many times we do not see how those changes affect us. We need to realize that we are not like God. We are creatures. And because we are creatures, we are affected by change. We are not some constant object that looks on as other things change. Since we are creatures, we respond, we react, and we adapt to what is happening around us. As relationships around us change, we change, isn't it? As you get a new group of friends, you tend to pick up their habits without even knowing it. There, there are ways in which we take some words from the friends who we hang around with. There is a way that we can start liking something, not because we decided we will like it, but because of the people who are around us, isn't it? We just find ourselves there. And sometimes that's a good thing, by the way, because it's one of the reasons why we fellowship. We fellowship so that we may help one another to become more godly, isn't it? Right? It's actually a good thing for you to spend time with believers. That's why it's important that your best friends are believers like you. That's why your closest relations I mean, the, the relationships that are strongest in your life ought to be with those who call on the name of Christ. Because we are changed. We adapt as we relate with people. And this, same, this church that the book of Hebrews was written to them had been affected by the change in the society. As persecution grew, as family dis began to disown them or reject them because they are Christians, they began to change. And actually, the writer of Hebrews is telling them, be careful. Watch out. You might respond, react, and adapt to persecution in a way that is wrong. Why? We are being changed as every other thing around us is changing. The writer of uh, this letter tells them, remain firm in Christ. Do not turn away. Don't let your hope wither away. One commentator puts it this way about the change that had happened in the church because of the change in government policy the persecution of the church, because now they were being rejected. Their possessions were being taken. This is what he says, that this community was established when the message of the gospel led to conversion and was confirmed by uh, the experience of miracles and a sense of the Spirit's presence. 
But then came a time of persecutions, great persecution, and conditions became difficult. But this community remained steadfast in the wake of abuse, dispossession, imprisonment, and was not pressured into relinquishing their commitments. But then there came a second stage of persecutions and condition within the commu uh, this community deteriorated such that because of the frictions that they had with non-Christians and the demands of mutual support within the Christian community, evidently it led to a diminish, diminished commitment to the faith and neglect of the gatherings. These were believers like you and I. The people who were given the letter of Hebrews, they were like you and I. They were not different, the flesh and blood. But what was happening outside was changing them. Things began to change them. And the writer of Hebrews saw it. They couldn't see it. You know, sometimes we don't realize how something is changing us. Someone else has to point it out to us, isn't it? Most of the time, that's how it works. That someone else looking outside can say, hey, I've noticed that this job is changing you. I've noticed that this relationship is changing you. I've noticed that this pursuit that you have is changing you. And you can say, well, I don't see it. I'm still the same person. Not really. We are changing. We are being changed. And we need to realize that. We need to watch out. We need to watch ourselves. Again, again this is one of the reasons why we need to be in community. We need to be in fellowship. Because, dear brethren, it's so hard to see how the world is changing us. It's so hard for us by ourselves to see how the world is changing us. We are changing. We are being affected by things around us. It is not that these believers were any less spiritual than us. They were human, like you and I, flesh and blood. And they found themselves in this kind of a situation. And as we look at the year 2023, who knows what the Lord has in store for us? Who knows what he has stored up for us? Could it be that this is a year full of golden days? Or could it be a year that would be full of weary ways? One of our hymns uses that, that line. We need to ask ourselves, what are we holding on to? Such that even if what we are holding on to is changed, is affected by time, Can we say that we hold on to Christ 
such that even if every other thing around us is changing, we can hold on to him such that instead of being changed negatively, we are actually more and more conformed to his image, to his likeness. Because we will change. Things are changing us. And we need to ask ourselves, or let me put it this way, what you hold on to will determine how you are changed. If you are holding on to the things of this world, if you're holding on to your job and the economy collapses and you lose your job, you will be changed negatively, isn't it? Because that was your hope. But if you are holding on to Christ and your job is changing, your marriage is changing, your finances are changing, because you are holding on to this one thing that is true and strong and firm, you will then be changed, conformed more into the image and likeness of Christ. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why, as we suffer for Christ, we become more like him. As we endure persecution, as we endure hardships, but we hold on tightly to Christ, we are conformed more and more to his image and likeness. And that's why the writer of Hebrews puts this statement there. You might wonder, why is this statement there? It seems abrupt, seems strange. Why did he just put it there? He was telling them as a church, watch out. Persecution can cause you not to love one another. Hard times can make you not to be hospitable with one another. Hard times can make you look down on the marriage bed. Hard times can make you to love money. Hard times can make you to forget your leaders. But oh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hold on to Christ. Let us hold on to Christ. Let us look to him. Let him be the greatest pursuit in this year. Let us study Christ. The study of Christ should be our biggest goals of every year, not just 2023, every year. There is no higher person to study than Jesus Christ. I love what John MacArthur says, he puts it that way, that the study of Christ is the greatest study that anyone can have. To read the Gospels, and to read the Gospels again, and to read the Gospels over and over again, to see Christ, to see how he taught, to see what he taught, this will make us, yes, to change, but to change in being conformed to him. Let's look to Christ, the unchanging one. But then lastly, the third thing I want us, and this is 
I would say the meat of the implication is that we must realize that Christ alone remains unchanged. I have said that, but let's look at it again. That Christ alone remains unchanged. Every other thing changes. Christ remains true. A new year has gone, a new year is coming, a new year, another year will come, people will come and go in our lives, we will come and go. Age is catching up with us. Our bodies are breaking down every day and we feel it. Right? We start noticing that you suddenly have some back pains that you did not have before. Shows that time is catching up, isn't it? And it's catching up quick. You start realizing that you are not as energetic as you are. Time is catching up. But oh Christ, this Jesus, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he remains unchanged. He remains the same. It is confirmed that all around us is changing. We have seen that. And we as well are changing because we are creatures. So then we must ask ourselves, where do we find an unmovable ground where we can stand? Do we resign ourselves to the hopelessness of all humanity and sink with a decaying world? The goodness of the gospel or the good news of the gospel or the good news inside the gospel is this, that we can find this solid ground, Jesus Christ. We've sung that hymn so many times. All other grounds are sinking sand. Every other ground is sinking sand. Every other thing. We will stand on ETF for a few minutes, a few seconds, but it will collapse. It can't sustain our weight. It can't even sustain its own weight. It will break down. It will collapse. Running to Christ, hiding in Christ, the unchangeable and unchanging one is the solution. Is or ought to be our pursuit this year and in the years to come. Why? This is because Jesus Christ is God. And being God, he does not change. He remains the same from eternity to eternity. He does not change. When the Bible uses this word, that, this phrase that God does not change, it means that God does not change in his essence, nor in his attributes, but he remains perfect, pure, and powerful. His love remains unchanged. His plans and purposes remain unchanged. His masses remain unchanged. His grace remains unchanged. We change, we sin, we fail. But then we can run to the 
one whose mercy does not change. The one who will always forgive us. The God who forgives the penitent sin. You know, in our human relationships, someone can be merciful, but all of us, by the way, our mercy gets to a point where we can't give anymore, isn't it? Humanly speaking. Someone can wrong you and wrong you and wrong you and it gets to a point where you just say, I can't continue on with this relationship. Oh, but with God. He doesn't change. He doesn't say because now you have sinned the millionth time, now it's done. No. His mercy remains the same. His grace in Christ remains the same. That same, same blood that was shed 2,000 years ago is still able to save the worst of sinners today. It hasn't lost its power. And this is why then God has to be, because Christ alone doesn't change, he has to be the greatest pursuits or pursuit of our lives in this year. We would be fools, and let me repeat that again. We would be fools to devote ourselves to anything apart from this. Would you say no? to, let me use an illustration, would you say no to a real house for a toy house that is made of plastic? Only a fool would say, give me the plastic house. It's more shiny. It's really nice. I can even put it in my pocket. I can even go with it somewhere. You would be a fool to take that for the real thing. I mean, we would be fools to run for anything in this life and neglect the greatness of Christ and run to anything or pursue anything or love anything more than this Christ. We can only experience true and full life when we trust and hope in the immutable God. Look at the promises of, uh, that God gives. So God says, I do not change. Therefore, here are the promises. A God who changes can't give promises because humanly speaking, if, if I am a human being, I am a human being, and if I tell you, you know what, I'll give you I'll give, you, uh, I'll give you my Bible. Things can change. Things can even change within 30 minutes or an hour's time. And I can say, well, I think, let me withdraw that offer. I really can't give you right now because I'm using it to preach. And you would understand. You'll say, okay, okay, I understand. But because God doesn't change, his promises remain true. Look at what he says in Numbers 23, 19. He says, God is not man 
that he should lie, or the son of man, that he should change his mind. He has said it, will he not do it? Or he has spoken, and will, not, will he not fulfill it? Malachi 3 and verse 6, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. This is a promise that God gives to those who trust in his son. Because he doesn't change. Because he remains the same. All his promises are true. All his promises are yes and amen. All other promises can be changed. Even if you have the closest relationship here on earth, your very own spouse, they can say something and then change their mind. Your parents can say something and then change their minds. Your own children can tell you one thing and then change their minds. But oh, the God of the Bible, the one who does not change, the one who has no shadow of change, let me use the words of James, there is no even a hint of him ever changing, we can then rely on him. We can then say, like the psalmist, if you look at Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, because the psalmist here had been complaining about the prosperity of the wicked, and he looked around and he saw the wicked, and he saw how they were prospering, how they had a good life, Look at what he says. I was envious and arrogant of the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They, have no, they are not in trouble as others. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. In other words, what he is saying over and over again is that he was saying, Lord, I look at the wicked and look at them. They're enjoying themselves. They're having a good life. But this is what he realizes later. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a worrisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly you set them on a slippery place. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment. Swept away utterly by terrors. Look at how they are so easily changed. He says, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, you rouse yourself. You despise them as phantoms. That's how by the way things around us are changing. They are like a phantom, like a dream. That's how quick our life is. James says that our lives are like a, a mist. You know how you see a mist and it's gone? If you're boiling food and you just see a mist and it's here and then it's gone. These people are like a dream. Change will break them. But, oh, look at what he says about himself, those who are trusting in God. 
verse 25 and 26 of Psalm 73. Who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Even my own heart, even my own flesh will fail me. We don't think about that, but guess what? Even your own flesh, your own heart is failing you, and it will fail you on that day when you breathe your last breath. Your heart, which is so close to you, will fail you. This body that is yours will fail you. But, oh God, who have I in heaven but you? There is nothing I desire, nothing else I desire besides God. Is that you? Do you realize the value of Christ? Do you see the greatness of Christ? Such that you would say this? together with the psalmist. Dear brethren, let us pursue Christ. Every other thing will fail. Every other thing will be broken down by this machine called time. But, oh, Christ remains true. He remains firm. To the unbeliever, flee to him. Because after this life, when your heart and your flesh fail and you breathe your last breath, and that is coming. Don't think that getting to 80 or 100 years, it's, it's far. Our lives run this quickly. It's just the other day that you're being taken to school, isn't it? I mean, look at how time has gone so fast. It'll just be the next day. You're in the hospital bed, waiting to stand before your God. And if you're still in your sins and you stand before the judge of the universe, the unchangeable judge of the universe, because he is righteous, he is just, he does not change, he has to be just, he will punish your sin by casting you eternally into hell. But if you repent of your sins, the God who is just, the God who does not change, you know what he did? He took the sins of those who would believe in Christ, all those who believe in Christ, and he punished Christ. Christ took upon himself the judgment, the wrath, that the just God demanded, so that anyone who repents and believes in him will be saved, will be set free. Pursue this Jesus. Let that be the wonderful reality of our lives, even this year. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, the unchanging, and the unchangeable God of heaven. We come before you this afternoon. Oh Lord, we look around and we see how everything is decaying. We even see our own bodies, our own heart and flesh 
and we see how they are decaying every day. And we have seen that we can't stop it. We have no power because we are creatures that we can't hold on to anything. Oh Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way for sinking humanity. This humanity, us who was sinking into death and decay, that you sent your son to rescue us, that he died for sinners, that he was buried and that he rose again from the dead. And you gave this promise that those who are in Christ will gain the same kind of body that Christ had, an immortal body. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would help us to focus on that, to see the beauty of Christ, to pursue him in this life. Oh Lord, keep us from the folly that the world is bringing our way to pursue things that are plastic, things that are temporary, things that are decaying every day. Oh Lord, forgive us for running to those plastic things instead of running to the real thing, the God of heaven. Help us to run to him, to hide ourselves in him and cause our joy to increase even as we pursue you, O Lord Jesus, in this year and in the years to come, so that we can say like the psalmist, that who have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you. Yes, my flesh, yes, my heart may fail, but you, O God, remain the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May you be our portion. May you be our inheritance. May you be our reward that we look forward to every day. So we thank you for your word and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.